Welcome back to The Bulb. I'm your host, Luke Primo. This is our 11th episode featuring state representative of the 95th district in the great state of Michigan, Mr. O'Neill. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you on The Bulb. Thank you, Luke, for the opportunity. Looking forward to a great discussion. Thank you. Of course, of course. So my first question is going to be, what does a state representative do? Well, that's a really good question, and the roles really vary. One of our main roles is to create legislation, laws that govern how we operate in the state of Michigan. Also, we look at opportunities to advocate for our specific districts uh, based on your environment. For example, my area, I've been really focused on skilled trades and making sure schools and facilities have the tools that they need to be successful. And so when you think about the uh, 10, 15 years from now, there's going to be a great exodus of skilled tradesmen and women leaving that uh, workforce. So what do we need to do now? We need to prepare and create opportunities for the younger group of students to prepare for the future. And that way we can maintain our edge in technology and innovation. So that's an awesome answer. My second question is going to be, what is the most difficult part of your job? Most difficult part is, is really working in a bipartisan way. I wouldn't say difficult, but it's necessary and it takes patience, I would say. You may have an ideal or agenda that you want to pursue, but sometimes and most times in compromise, you know, you don't get everything you, you're asking and looking for. All righty. So my second question, pretty similar to the first, is what is the most rewarding part of your job? Oh, wow. You know, there was one bill package that that we all, both sides of the aisle, was very supportive of, and that was a public safety package. And this was just midway through pandemic, and there were so many elements that our community and the law enforcement community needed. And so this package included additional funds for mental health services and behavioral health services for families and also law enforcement community members, also programs that work in conjunction with law enforcement in the community. For example, there's a program called Bridge the Gap. Uh, That's a program of law enforcement and public citizens who have come together to work in conjunction with law enforcement to recruit a diverse population to consider law enforcement. And also, they pay for the tuition to Delta College. That's an outstanding program, and actually, I'm working with my colleagues to get some additional support for them in the next coming budget. Is there any benefit that you've witnessed out of this bill that you passed? Definitely. For example, I I was in a meeting yesterday. There's an organization of pastors who got together and they were talking about the recent spike in gun violence. And they appealed to the community and offered their assistance to support the community and trying to create opportunities for students, young people who may not be in a traditional pipeline of education. Uh, These young people still need some attention. So they were trying to create... uh, just a space for them to come and talk, encourage the families to unveil themselves to this group of pastors and community leaders to support some of the areas that they may have deficits in, just to show that they care. You know, if you're realistic, you can't save everybody, but I think we can save somebody. I would even argue that you could save a lot of people. You know, you're never going to find anything that's perfect, but you certainly want to do something that works for most, if not everyone. And, And that's the key. You said it. The, the program or services that works for the most people. You know, you're right. I agree with that. All right. So as stated earlier, you represent the 95th district. What yes. area does that comprise of? That currently comprises the entire city of Saginaw, Bridgeport, Buena Vista Township, Carlton Township, Zilwaukee Township, Spalding Township, as well as James Township. 
that's the current district now. With the new lines, you know, that have been recently drawn, I have that current area, and now it includes a bit more of Saginaw Township. So it's expanded quite a bit. But anyone who catches a glimpse of politics knows that it is very divisive. Yes. What do you do to make sure things still get done for your constituents and you can effectively collaborate with your colleagues? Mm -hmm. A lot of things that sometimes you see on the national level is not indicative of local state involvement. For example, many of my colleagues are friends, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you know, really get along. And a lot of people, when they see us doing that, like, oh, wow. And we have to reiterate that we do get along, even though, and it's okay to disagree philosophically on issues, but there's a respectful, congenial, cordial way that you should do it. And I think that maintains a level of respect on both sides. And so when you do that, when I said before, you may not win all the issues and efforts that you made, but down the road, there are other opportunities. And based on their level of respect and congeniality, I think that really bodes well with program planning for the state. What, in your view, is the most important issues facing the residents of your district? Yeah. Well, wow, there's several. I'll just start with just the recent spike in the price of gas. You know, it may sound simplistic, but it's in a lot of families, you know, $5 a gallon is pretty hard to maintain over a period of time. And whether you're taking kids to practice or school or going to work, that's an adjustment for some families. And we understand that. And also many families, they're working a couple jobs to try to keep the family head above water. And so we got to do everything we can to try to support those small businesses so they can stay working and then support the family and amenities that are important to them, take some of the burden off of them. You know, we're working on some tax breaks for families, you know, to give them more money in their pockets. And that way, when they get the money in the pocket, they're going to spend the money. So that's going to boost the economy. And then you look at the national stage with the war and with Ukraine. And that's worldwide. That's affected everything in terms of getting supplies. For example, we just had a big shortage of milk for babies. So we had to go to Europe and other countries to have them support us because we had a facility that had some issues. They got it cleaned up and so they should be opening up real soon. But uh, it's just a world global market impacts us all in different ways. And so you have to think about that. Very well put. I think a lot of people fail to recognize that hot button issues like inflation, they're more than just stuff that people have different opinions on. Yeah. They really do affect people, especially the working class. Yeah, so exactly. Thank you for, uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure people will be very excited to hear that in the upcoming oh, yeah. budget. Good, good. So let's dive in a little bit more about you. Okay. What did you do before getting into politics? Well, I started out in uh, education. I worked for the Saginaw Public Schools. Actually, I worked with students. My job was working with students who had deficits in math and reading. And so I had a caseload. We had what we call feeder schools for the middle school. So my middle school was Central Junior High. And I had five elementary schools that I was attached to. And so social workers and the counselors would assign these individuals based on their test scores. And my job was to do remedial uh, enrichment activities that would support their improvements. They don't have to be uh, an expert in math or reading, but just the fact that we would encourage them, you know, ask about your son or daughter's day. How was it? What did you learn? Just be engaging. That stimulates the attitude that, oh, mom, dad's watching. And so over a period of time, they would have test scores, you know, the meat tests and then compensatory education tests, test the level of their frequencies of gains. So my job was to work in conjunction with the school social work in this IEP system to support those families, the whole family. And so 
Not only did we work with the student, the family may have needs with uh, services in the community. So we would also refer them for services to make sure they had those needs met. So I did education. Uh, then I got into nonprofits. I worked at the First Word Community Center, so one of the major community centers in Saginaw. I was operations director there for years and serving the public. And then from there, worked at United Way of Saginaw County. Actually, I went to United Way as a loan exec. During a campaign, United Way's raised money for those nonprofit Boys and Girls Club, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, etc. So long story short, I took the job at United Way. I worked there for seven years and I managed the entire campaign, fundraising campaign for seven years, $3 million campaign. Very successful in that. And after that, I worked with the state of Michigan as a consultant for foster care, aging out students. You know, after you get 18, they age out. And then I worked in conjunction with a lot of agencies to provide them support so they didn't just kind of drop off the face of the earth, not having additional support. And then I worked in federal corrections, returning citizens, coming back from being incarcerated. My job was compliance to make sure we were adhering to the compliances from the Federal Bureau of Prisons to make sure we stay current and financially fiscal to maintain services. All of my jobs have been in service to people, and that's one thing I really just latched on to. I've had other opportunities to do other things, but I just gravitated back. My heart just kept bringing me back to service, and that's why actually I'm in the role I am now. And so after that, I got in politics, uh, local government, I would say, in 2003. I didn't have a passion to go after. I was serving in the public, serving in the community. So I said, hey, Mr. O'Neill, you should run for city council. I said, I don't want to run for city council. <laughs> You know, I said, oh, no, you should. And so long story short, former Mayor Joyce Seals resigned due to health reasons in October of 2003. So during that time, I made a decision. I said, okay, sure, I'd go for it. I had to apply, and I had to be selected by the council, the sitting council, to fill the seat, and then I would have to run to retain the seat. So October 2003, I was accepted. They picked me. And so I had a month to run to retain the seat for November. I did it, and I won four times after that. And so I, I served 13 years as a city council person, and uh, two of those terms I was a vice mayor. And then after that, in 2016, I ran for the county board of commissioners at the county level. I served as a county commissioner for four years, and then in 2020, I ran to be a state rep. And so public service is a part of me now. Yes. Yes. How do you think your former experiences influenced you as a politician and how you vote and what issues you decide to support? Oh, they were instrumental. They were like the foundation. Uh, education was important. Wife was a special ed school teacher for 15 years. I was involved in education and just seeing the community of people that I was serving, the students that I served who were deficient in reading and math. It just, it became a core value for me, you know, knowing that education is a great equalizer. You know, whether it's formal or informal, uh, or whether it's traditional or non-traditional. And so I, I really took a personal position that I would do everything I could to impact and empower students to be better. So what are your plans for the future, whether it be retiring or advancing to a higher office? Oh. Oh, I'm too young to retire. <laughs> There's so much work to do. Uh, I'm actually in my first term as a state rep. Wow. Okay. And in my first year, we brought over uh, $645 million back to the district. Skilled trades money, local health department money, working with the senators. We saved a judgeship here in Saginaw County. So I'm really excited about the role I've had. And, and my experience really played a part in that. I had some relationships during my city council days that I gained in Lansing. And when I got there, you know, people, you know, knew that. And they were able to distinguish, oh, this guy's not just a novice. You know, he's got yeah. some experience. It really helped me navigate big system that's in Lansing. It's huge. And so 
in that sense, I think it's very important to have experience, kind of shorten the learning curve, you know, to find out where everything is and how to get things done, how to write legislation, who to talk to. It's all about building relationships, you know, in anything. It's always important to never burn a bridge. Yes. Okay, because you never know when you might need that person or that group. And if you have to sever a relationship, sever it in the best way you possibly can, because you never know. Relationships are critical. So I think just my background itself really positioned me well. It gave me a point of reference in terms of experience where I gained instant credibility based on my experience. I've been pegged as a pretty collaborative person in Lansing already as a, as a freshman. Actually, I just received an award, Legislative of the Year. Wow, congrats. Yeah. Yeah, I went up to Boyne Mountain to do a speech. Justin Palmerville, he oversees Michigan Trade Pipefitters. So they had the big convention in Boyne Mountain last week. So he asked me to come down and speak. I said, okay. I went down, drove up there, did my 10-minute speech. I was planning to kind of come back because I had some other engagement. So he starts talking and talking, telling everybody about Rep O'Neill, how he supports skilled trades, et cetera. And he said, this is why we're going to honor him for the legislative year. I was like, I couldn't believe it. That was really a, a really a booster for me. You know, people really recognize when you're working hard and trying to do your best. Yes, it's an you know? feeling. So I, I felt great. I'm sure you gathered. We we're really focused on engineering and science education. Yes. What are you and the state doing to promote programs like these? I was talking to some folks today. I was doing some walking around Saginaw Township, and they said, "Well, you know, what are you working?" I said, "Well, one thing that's really important to me is skilled trades area. You know, technology, engineering, and training." And this guy, his eyes just lit up because, yeah, because everybody's not going to college. I said, "Well, you're right, but they can learn." And I met this guy. It was amazing. He said he graduated from high school and he created a patent that made him a millionaire. This is a true story today. Blew me away. And as I was leaving, he was driving away. He stopped his car and he started talking. He said, I got another story for you. And so we were talking. I told my staff, Mary, I said, hey, I got a new best friend. (laughs) And I asked him, I said, well, you know, I really love to have you come talk to some students. I've seen about you guys. And this guy, he took advantage of the importance of science, technology and engineering. And he's done quite well for himself. And so for me, I'm very passionate about making sure that we provide opportunities for students to get that exposure. You know, like what you're doing, this team is doing, it's amazing. You, you guys are our next group of leaders. It's like an investment. I'm not sure if you're investing or saving, but you probably are. But it's just savings or investment. You make an investment, and over time, you look for a return. And so I would say we have to, as legislators, we have to invest in our future, which are you guys. We have to invest in technology, uh, training, equipment and opportunities so you can do all you can to learn so Michigan can maintain its competitive edge. The decisions we're making today are not for today. They're for the future. 15, 20, 30, 50 years down the road. Those are the kind of things we have to think about. I'm always forecasting. Mm -hmm. I'm a forecaster. You know, how, what will this do? How will we look 20 years from now? My grandkids, you know, your children. So we won't be here like 30 years from now. How will Michigan look 30 years from now? Will this decision we're making today improve our position and our ability to create some of the best engineers in the world? A lot of things that we've been doing, I'm just saying in general, been like right now things, and it distracts us from the future planning. For example, we've made some major, we just spent $100 million on electronic vehicle again. Ford Motor Company just invested $2 billion. They're going to build a facility. It's going to create over 3,000 jobs. But they're making major investments. We just came back from Mackinac, from a Mackinac conference. The governor, all the top official, top leaders of the world in Michigan were there. And what they said, they said, Michigan, about two steps behind 
our competitors, but there are still some things we have to do infrastructure-wise, site planning development-wise, in order for us to maintain a competitive edge in conjunction with making sure that pipeline of STEM technology prepared individuals are ready. No, that, good one, uh, though, for sure. Yeah. I know from previous experience with you at other STEM-related events, like the first in Michigan State Championship and other events like our Facebook Q&A on yeah. mental health, that educational resources is an important issue to you. Yeah. I want to know why is that? Well, again, uh, if you look over the last 20 years, if you do a trajectory of our investment in education. So for me, two of the most important elements in the Michigan legislation budget are education and health care. So I'm working tirelessly on both of those. So for the last 20 years, our investment in education has been on decline. Just recently, we've had the highest increase in per-pupil funding and support for STEM programs, technology programs we've had in 20-plus years. So we're playing catch-up there. We cannot fund or catch up enough the lack of funding that we've had over the years for education. So every dime and every cent we put toward education is required. We're making plans for developments that have not even been discovered. So we have to invest in it. So research and development. Next year, automotive, for example. You know, they've had some major investments in their equipment and technology. But there's one thing that we're working on now, the research and development tax credit. So without that, it really inhibits their ability to maintain a competitive edge. You have to invest in research. You have to invest in development. And my last question will be, what was your favorite thing here today at the Lockwood STEM Center? Oh, wow. Everything. Just a welcoming, everybody's support, just to see the, the facility. I sat in the car for a few minutes. I said, wow, this is actually STEM facility, and yeah, I've never seen one like this. So I, my first question was, are there any other facilities like this? And they said, well, no. So I was so pleasantly surprised to see the investment. See, this is an investment. Yes. And it's special. And so these are the kind of things we want to afford you, meaning you, individual, young individuals like yourself, the opportunity to have the best so they can learn and develop and produce the best and be the best. Yes. It's, so, a, it's a very great facility. And, yeah, as far as I'm aware, it's one of the only, maybe in Michigan, but yeah. certainly in the area. I have no, I have no idea. Right. I've never like seen anything is. like it. And it know? looks beautiful. It's excellent. Sure that's, that's, that's a, I was speechless. I was like, wow. Because I drove in, I look, and I said, I'm married. Said, it's in the back. Yep. When I saw the STEM, I said, it said STEM building. I said, Wow, they have their own facility. Yes, it is amazing. Now, just think about if we had more districts that had the capacity like this, how empowering that would be for the students. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. It's exciting. The opportunities would be endless for yes. sure. Because, I mean, you have everything like, you know, I'm doing this podcast interview yes. here at the STEM Center. You can do, it isn't just science and technology. Exactly. It's so many other things. You can and create whatever you want right here. Yes. This is beautiful. And I'm going to talk about it. You better believe it. And oh, uh, very much appreciate oh, yeah, that yeah. for sure. Have your superintendent here, you know, that also helps. So, But my role as an legislator is to support you, support students. And, and when I was talking to folks today, they were so happy to hear that. I mean, really, I told Mary, I said, wow, Mary, when I talk about the support for, you know, CTE and all of that, people love to hear it. They really want that to be. So I said, wow, so we're on the right track. You know, that was reassuring for us, for me, to know that what we're doing in, in that space is important and we have to continue it. All righty. Anything else you'd like to add? Well, really, I just want to thank you. I tell you, you know, all the work you guys have been doing, particularly on the mental health piece. You guys had an outstanding day the other day uh, with the interviews and having the MED director and the director of DHSS to come. Yes. That's not a small feat. No. For sure. You know, it takes months sometimes to get those folks to come to your space. 
and they have Saginaw County is on the map. It's a wonderful That's amazing. It was wonderful, and it's just seeing everyone being so receptive to it, being accepting and understanding of the issues that we're facing in yes. that uh, area. So. That's amazing. So, And especially your support. You yeah. certainly helped us organize oh, events with I'm the so lieutenant glad. governor. I'm so glad to do that. And we so appreciate it. I'm small. It's a small part. We still have work to do, as yes. you know. For, yep, definitely. So we're going we're gonna to hold true to our commitment, and that's important. Like mm-hmm. I talk about, I said uh, at the uh, ambassador's graduation, mm-hmm. you know, only thing you have is your word and so if you can do something fine if you can't do it you let somebody know okay integrity and character that's second to none beyond what you're working to do that's the most important being true to yourself being honest about your ability to do whatever it is a person expects you to do and just be straightforward and be kind we have a lot of issues in our world but, you know, a little smile, a little kindness, a little love goes a long, long way. Yes, for sure. And all that we do. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Amos, today. It was a pleasure getting to yes. interview you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Bulb. Please subscribe, share with your friends and family, and leave a five-star rating. Want to ask a question and get featured on The Bulb? Leave a voice message at the link in the description, and I'll play it in our next episode. Make sure to tune in next Tuesday at 11 a.m. for our next episode. If you have any questions, please send us a message on our social media platforms. Links to those are in the description.